This is the Freeology Podcast. We are your hosts, Jason Lyle. And I'm Chuck Swenson. The Freeology Podcast is about freeing your mind and your soul from past beliefs that no longer serve you. So why stay stuck? Move forward. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Freeology Podcast here this afternoon with my good friend Chuck Swenson. Hello. And this, this afternoon, we have on with us Brandon Olson from the North Georgia Center for Human Flourishing. Brandon, say hello to everybody. Hey, y'all. How you doing? <laughs> so Brandon and I met uh, in wilderness therapy, and you guys have heard uh, Luke on the podcast before. And Luke and I worked together, and we worked with Brandon. And um, I left wilderness therapy, and Brandon left wilderness therapy. And <clears throat> when I moved up to Dahlonega, we reconnected. And uh, we sat down and had lunch one day, and, and uh, he kind of shared with me his vision, and uh, I shared with him Adventures in Recovery's vision. And our, our visions for life and Chuck's vision for life kind of lines up, so we want to have Brandon on today to talk about the North Georgia Center for Human Flourishing. So, Brandon, just kind of kick us off. Tell folks a little bit about yourself, what you'd want them to know about you. Um, yeah, just a little bit of your story. Sure, sounds good. Um, I... Um, let's see, my wife and I have been together for about five years or so now. We moved to Dahlonega a couple years ago. Um, I guess it's been just over two years now. Uh, moved down to the area from Vermont. I'm originally from New England. Um, kind of escaped down here. Um, and uh, to kind of just get a change in life. And we, my wife's always had this vision of, uh, you know, holistic health and wellness and always wanted this idea of a wellness center. I'm, I've always been more of a sporty guy. I, I've been really, um, you know, I do a lot of competing. I've always in my life and, and been really active and always loved this idea of health and wellness and um, never thought it would be a part of what I did. Um, but got into wilderness therapy for a while, did that. I've done a lot of different pieces of, of kind of helping professions. I've helped, uh, I've worked in probation and parole. I was a probation and parole officer for five years for sex offenders. Um, I worked in the health department. I worked in opioid addiction. I used to run an opioid treatment program in Vermont. Um, you know, and then coming down here had this just realization, I guess, if you will, where I realized that I can, I could actually live the way that I want to live and, and be healthy and, and help other people be healthy. Um, and kind of have a little bit more, had a little bit more of a passion than kind of working for these other organizations or for the state or, um, anything else. So, um, yeah, so it was kind of, she kind of got me on, on board with it all. Um, and, uh, and we've kind of had this shared vision since then of really growing this, growing a community of people um, to be healthy and kind of move away from, you know, a little bit of allopathic medicine and um, kind of the traditional paths to wellness um, and figuring out ways to, ways to be healthy and, um, and vibrant and flourish in our lives instead of kind of being sedentary and, um, you know, being a little lax and 
out kind of the the standard uh, lifestyle, American lifestyle, if you will. <laughs> Explain uh, allopathic medicine real quick. Yeah, everybody. allopathic medicine, just the idea that there's medication for every symptom, right? So it's traditional, go to the doctor, you say, I'm sick, you know, and they say, yeah, here's some medicine to take, go home and take it. And it's all about treating the symptoms. And, uh, you know, and we really, you know, approach things from a holistic point of view of like, that's, let's not really, we're, it's not, we're not going after the symptom, the symptoms will improve, but let's go after the root cause. And mm-hmm. I think that's what's ended up missing in today's, you know, society and our culture and our medical practices um, that we see is that they're too often we're worried about the symptoms and just cure, you know, whatever it is or fix, fix a symptom that I'm having, um, but we're not fixing the underlying cause. And uh, so if we can get at that, we're doing well. So did you guys practice some of this up in Vermont before you moved to Georgia? Um, you know, not in a professional way. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife did. My wife's been a health coach for quite a while. She's actually helped train health coaches. And, um, you know, and she's been a, a massage therapist, a body worker, energy worker, and um, actually went to uh, kind of half of chiropractic school. Mm-hmm. So she's got a lot of experience there. Mine has been more personal experience. So right. it just, I've always been into this idea of kind of biohacking, if you will, of like kind of optimizing my own body uh, for sports and activities, health. I was always the guy that my my coworkers would come to me and, and be like, hey man, like here, you know, what you you eat different than we do. Like what, but like what do you what are you doing this different? What can I what can I change in my right. diet? Or hey, do you have any ideas for exercises that I can do? Because they knew that I was um, really active and, and able to do all these things. And they're like, well, like you live a different way than I do. Help me right. out. And so I've always just kind of been there. So has what's been the um Kind of the feeling, the vibe different from down here in Georgia, from Vermont. The reason why I ask that is I'm from Georgia. My wife is from Massachusetts. We lived up there for a little bit, but now she lives down here with me. So just kind of curious what's been a little bit different of the uh, the culture and the environment. Yeah. Um, well, we honestly, we moved down here uh, because of COVID, honestly, okay. um, and the way that Vermont was handling COVID and uh, just some of the draconian measures that they were taking to kind of block folks from um, leaving the States, from seeing each other. We couldn't have friends over. There's all these different pieces. Um, and it wasn't until, honestly, my wife got pregnant and uh, just after COVID hit and we realized that um, I didn't want to have, we didn't want to have a baby in Vermont in the hospitals where I could, I was the only person that could even be anywhere near. Um, and she would have had to wear a mask to give birth. Oh, and wow. like, that was a, I drew a line and I said, this isn't, this isn't the way that we want to live. This not, yep. these aren't our values. And we wanted to find a place that was a little bit more open, more, a little bit more kind of about kind of personal freedoms. Mm-hmm. Um, and where we could still have some of the mountain vibe and, and small townness of that we were used to up in Vermont, close to a city. Um, but, be in a just a, a different area and you know, we like to say someplace that's a little bit more purple uh, my wife's you know kind of grew up more of a republican i was very much on the democratic side and now we've kind of blended and we're a little <laughs> bit more in the in the middle purple ground right yeah, um, nice. with everything going on where's she from um originally she's from detroit okay uh, she's moved all over but that's yeah. those are her roots is uh up in michigan you guys have those polls on politics, but you also have those polls on spirituality, right? We do. So I remember you're not having those conversations. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Yeah, we, uh, you know, the 
the fact that we kind of we found each other has been really interesting because we do <laughs> and have had such differing uh, viewpoints on a lot of things, whether it's politics or, as Jason said, religion and, and spirituality. Um, but what it's done for us has actually helped us soften our edges, right? right? Mm. You know, I think oftentimes we say, like, this is our standpoint, this is where we are, um, when, you know— the reality is, like, come on, no one's no one's perfect. No one has everything 100% right. And we've actually allowed it to kind of soften each other's edges and realize that there's there's more middle ground than we realize. And that, that we actually had more in common, even though we had polar opposite kind of, you know, camps, if you will, mm-hmm. that we really came together and had a lot of shared ideas, you know, thoughts and, and perspectives on things. Yeah, and I, I can attest the fact we ate dinner with them and you guys, y- y'all vibe very well to, to have those polar opposite beliefs mm-hmm. thinking about the book you know reading um i couldn't uh without buddha i, I couldn't be a christian, christian. and he he oh, grew up in the christian world on the air <laughs> we're gonna get an email and i know and his wife was is, is buddhism and but how they just co-mingle and what they bring to the table and how much more in common that they really have and I think if in the Christian world we would truly open up our eyes and open up, when I say ours, mine and Jason, similar in our walks, but if our peers would open up our eyes and open up to the things that are around us, we'll realize we're not that far off. Right. There's a lot of commonality and a lot of common goals that we have. We just seem to do it through different measures. It's true. If we pick that lane, <clears throat> that we pick that lane of love, everything just seems to be able to to kind of pan itself out in the end you know it's a it's a very beautiful thing and i i think what you're saying and where i'd like to segue into and how loving yourself is the very basic beginning of being able to love anybody or anything else and as cheesy as, as it is every time i think about this i think about when you get on an airplane and they say in the case that the cabin loses pressure there will be a mask that'll fall from the the top be sure to put yours on first and then you can help even your child right because if you pass out you certainly can't help anybody else so brandon speak with that in mind and, and then the north georgia center for human flourishing because it sounds to me like that's what you're talking about right like take care of ourselves what does that look like for the north georgia center for human human flourishing as people to love themselves and become whole humans absolutely and you know, you, you hit it on the nail you know it, it nail on the head it really is about you know kind of loving yourself and and taking care of yourself first and so many people come to us and they are you know they usually come because they're struggling with something um, and when we you know whether it's like oh i've got some back pain oh i've got this injury i've got this illness and they come in um, and as we start to work with them and, and connect with them and, and understand their their full condition, we realize that there's all these other things that are going on in their lives. Mm-hmm. Like we're they're like, oh well, I'm coming. I don't want to get a massage because my back hurts. And it's like okay, but then we realize that you know they they argue with their you know their significant other every night, and they're they're struggling with their kids, and they don't take any time for themselves, and they have a three hour commute to work, and all these things. And we're like, wait a minute, like you know we're we're just scratching the surface here. We can't do anything if we're not fixing you know, and helping you with the down, you know, the, the, the things that are kind of a little bit more upstream. So, um, we really try to help them with those aspects of it, um, and start to work on, so we, we kind of work on the physical body, um, so that, you know, typically it will be, you know, anything from around diet and exercise and, um, to the body work and things that we do, but it's also about the, the emotional side of things and how do we, um, and in accepting emotions, allowing those emotions to come through. So I think too often in our culture, we we shun emotion right we don't especially as men like we're 
you know, man code, you do not show emotion, right? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. um, and, um, you know, and, and even still, you know, I say this and it's like, I'm, I'm just as guilty as anyone, you know, way too often of um, not expressing my emotions and not being in touch with them myself, you know? So it's this constant reminder um, for ourselves too, that, um, you know, we need to, to allow our emotion, emotions to come through, heal from within, um, you know, as you're saying, kind of love yourself. And through that process, you find that everything else starts to fall more into place. Um, that sometimes small changes can have big impacts later on. Now, have you always lived this way or is there something as you walk through life that started changing and, uh, and your, your thoughts and your beliefs towards this holistic, uh, started changing? Um, you know, I've always been a little bit geared towards this idea, you know, and, and trying to live a little bit different way. Um, it was, there was a lot of different things and it was a very, had a very nonlinear path to where I, where I came from. You know, I've been, I was in the Peace Corps and that kind of helped shape me a little bit. And, um, you know, I've done wilderness therapy many years ago and that experience and had a lot of, basically I got put into a leadership role way too quickly and I didn't handle it very well. Um, and that, brought a lot of realization. And then it was coming back. Um, and for me, it was being diagnosed or, or being told that I had a gluten intolerance. So when I had to start realizing that I had to start changing my my lifestyle and um, the way I ate, and then what happened after that, of this idea of, I took gluten out and I was amazed. Like I instantly lost 15 pounds. Like within a month, I was down 15 pounds. I used to have really bad acid reflux, gone, like almost overnight gone. Um, you know, I was sleeping better. I was having, I just had all these, these changes that came in effect by just removing one thing in my diet and it started, light bulbs started to come in. Um, so that was the first thing. And the second thing that, that hit me was when I was a probation and parole officer. Um, I, you know, as I said, I worked with sex offenders and it was just, as you can imagine, really tough work, right? Mm-hmm. You're dealing with a lot of really intense stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I was there for five years. I was like, I was on track to kind of be the, the specialist in sex offenders. Uh, I don't know why I thought that was going to be a good idea. Um, but so I get to this point, I, I'm, I'm relatively satisfied with what, you know, I was like a state job, stable, I'm making decent money, whatever. Um, we had a workshop. It was all about trauma. And, you know, and they're going through and they started talking about vicarious trauma um, and what that means. And they started talking about, you know, this idea of, you know, this vicarious trauma through other people. And they're like, all right, here are the symptoms of vicarious trauma. And they start listing them off. You know, like, oh, you have trouble sleeping and you're like hypervigilant and, you know, night sweats and terrors and all these things. And, you know, she starts listing them off and here I am checking them off on my fingers. Like, mm. yep, yep. 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 You know, after five or six symptoms that they listed of like symptoms of vicarious trauma, I, I had this realization of like, oh my gosh, I need to get out of this. Right. And I need to do it soon. Um, and that for me was a, a big switch in the, um, you know, in my mental realm of like, I need to make some changes here. Vicarious trauma. Just let me interject. That's living someone, taking on someone else's trauma. Correct? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so it was, it, for me, it was like having to hear it, you know, these counts of the offenses that these people had, had undergone. Um, and, you know, so I'm hearing it over and over and all the time and reading and hearing the details of them. Um, you know, you take that on yourself, especially because you not only take it on yourself, but you then still have to like store it aside a little bit and provide and and be empathetic towards the people you're working with. Right. And, and so like that, like almost dichotomy of, of like being like, 
disgusted, if you will, and as some of the things that I know that these people have done, but then still having to approach them with empathy and love and compassion, um, you know, creates a lot of tension. And, right. and there was, you know, I would wake up in the middle of the night and, or not even wake up, I'd have these like terrors almost and almost be sleepwalking, thinking something's going on. You know, I had a roommate at the time was like, dude, what were you doing last night? <laughs> I'm like, what? He's like, you like walked up and like looked like a zombie. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah, there's some some things need to change. Yeah. Um, so I, that kind of got me down this this path, and I've just been slowly accumulating knowledge, um, you know, over time of how to yeah how to live in a healthier way and more in alignment with my values. It's interesting when you said that you said I was holding these things. You know, I was holding these things. You think, well, I can't really hold them in my mind, right? Because if I have them in my prefrontal cortex, they're clouding the way that I do my job mm-hmm. because I'm looking at these people I work with. And if I have what they've told me up front and reason, well, now I can't, ha- I can't do my job effectively. <clears throat> so those things have to go somewhere. Right. And the only place they really have to go is into your sympathetic nervous system right. where they store. And then they start to come out in your blood pressure, diarrhea, uh, or IBS, I guess you would call it yep. to, to be politically correct, your sleep <laughs> patterns, right? That's where they show up. And so what I hear you saying is now what you've done is you're going, okay, so you have back pain. Okay. So you have chronic fatigue. Okay. So you're having stomach issues, but let's get you into your body. Am I hearing you right? That's right. Yeah. Let's get you into your body. We're going to, we're going to massage I know you do cold water and you have a sauna. We talked about some of that. You have a small gym in your in your place. You guys offer some. Don't y'all do some yoga? Why am I thinking y'all do uh, yoga? No yoga at the moment. It's definitely part of the part of the larger vision. But, okay, but you're you're trying to put humans in their body. But I also know that you guys aren't therapists, right? Yeah. And, and we've had that. I wanted to make that clear. So nobody yep. thinks that you're claiming something that I know you're not. But so you put these people in their body. What what's the first thing you start to see when you drop somebody in their body like that? Because it can be a dramatic, dramatic thing. It can be very dramatic, um, you know, and everyone's going to be a little bit different. And it really depends on where, like how receptive they are to the to the idea of it. Um, so um, a lot of the, in my practice and my coaching, I use uh, what's called, we call it embodiment. So what you're talking about is more of this idea of embodiment of this like feeling, you know, emotions within the body. And what I usually f- am finding is for people who are starting to, to be open to it is that there's there's emotional release and we can't always identify what's what's happening so you know if i start to walk someone through and uh, you know an exercise or they're getting in touch with their body and, and they're feeling it um they they oftentimes can't describe what they're what the emotion is that's coming up you know but you'll see it i i, I often have you know clients who will just immediately start crying or they'll laugh um or some there's some expression of emotion um and they don't even know why they're like oh i don't know why i just laughed and it's like, let's it's all right let's just keep going with this and, um, you know, and, and allow them to just connect to their body in a way that they're not used to. Um, and so much of what we do is really about that connection and, and being able to know your own body and what your own body needs. Um, and, um, you know, and, and being in tune with our body, you know, we only have one body in this life and, you know, we want to treat it well and, but we also want to listen to it well. 
You know, you talk about someone with their car or something. And, you know, if you're driving, you've been driving your car for a long time, you know when something's wrong, right? Mm. You feel it. You're like, oh, there's that little wiggle or there's that little sound that it made, this little, you know, whatever. But we don't do that with our bodies. Mm. You know, it's not until the tire's fallen off um, or, you know, like some major thing has gone on that we that we start to be like, oh, whoops. Like, you know, so we don't catch the little things early on. Um, so if we can be more in tune with, with what's going on in our body, um, then we we better know how to how to heal ourselves. So when you see people come into their body like that, you're you're saying kind of one of the first things you see is emotions start to come up. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys do with those? Because like I said, again, you're not therapists, but what do, is it like a? I know you have to have some sort of a. Okay, so here's what we're going to do next with those. What is that step? Again, it can vary. And what what I typically will do with with clients is, um, as I'm working through this, is to really check in with them and say, okay, you have this this emotion coming up. I get them to try to talk about it. What is, you know, does it have a shape? Does it have a feeling? Does it you know tell me describe it? And then I'll I'll put it on them and say, okay, so now that you have this feeling, like you know, usually there's I'll, I might go bring them through an exercise of like trying to release that or expand it to feel it more. Um, but then it's always about okay, now you. You know, Jason, you felt this this experience. What's next for you? Mm. You know, it's really about tapping into their own innate, you know, intelligence. You know, the body is is extremely intelligent, right? We have this innate intelligence. Our body knows how to heal. If we can give it the right things, keep it in alignment, um, and our body knows what to do with it. So, you know, I and we all have our own inner wisdom. People know generally what to do with their own bodies. We just are, we're cut off from it. We're cut off from the body. But as soon as you know and have a sense of like, oh yeah, I have that feeling. You're like, all right, where's that coming from? You know, oh, well, it's my relationship. Okay, like, what are you going to do about that? Oh, I'm going to take these steps. So it's really about putting it back on them and trusting in their own inner wisdom. And it, because if they are coming up with it and realizing that, wait, I actually have the answers. Like they, I don't need to tell them. My job is not to tell someone what to do. My job is generally to help them discover what they already know, um, which is that they can heal and you know they can, um, you know, really make the they they already know the changes they need to make. I just right. help support them in that. I, I love what you said there because I, I wrote down inner teacher um, mm-hmm. because I don't think no, no matter what. Um, spiritual persuasion somebody may or may not come from, we can't get around the fact that there's something bigger than the little us right. that lives inside of us, the big you us that is connected to a lot bigger story. Right. What I love about what you're doing is you're going, but, but what are you, what do you say? Yeah. Like, what do you say about what's happening? How, how do you gain that autonomy? And I don't want anybody to ever hear me discourage therapists. I don't think anybody sitting here at this table definitely would discourage not. therapy. But therapy is definitely, it is a, um, it's a diagnostic tool. Correct. It's very important. But there comes a point in time to where therapy is just not enough anymore. Like you, you have to, there has to become steps. And it sounds to me like that's what you guys are doing. Like if somebody's kind of already been through that mental health journey and now they're, they're kind of starting to come out of this thing and they're wanting to heal. It sounds to me like, is, am I getting close to what, what you think? Or yeah, what, what absolutely. You guys are doing? No, totally. And cause there is a big difference, you know, with therapy and what we do, you know, we'd say kind of therapy is about taking, you know, they, they look at your past and what's happened in your past and how do you um, kind of, 
you know, come to terms with what happened, make some sense of it, heal from your past. Well, in coaching, we take you as that you are now a whole human, wonderful person. And we want to take you from where you are now to where you want to be. Um, and, you know, and help you to help you to flourish, to maximize your own potential. Um, so it's less about the healing the past trauma. Um, you know, a lot of the things that we talk about and do and, and can help with some of those trauma pieces. But again, we're not therapists. We're not diagnosing. We're not saying all those pieces. And in fact, there'll be times when someone might, you know, and, and I've had this happen before where someone starts talking about like, oh, like, you know, it made me think of my dad and, you know, I was abused. And I, I just realized that through that experience that I needed to, you know, that there's something going on I need to explore. And I'm like, okay, so we're going to, we're going to, we need to take a step back. So this is actually a path that I can't walk down with you. Um, that's and a therapist path. Absolutely. Path, I said, yeah. that's, you know, I, I, and that's when I refer, I said, I really recommend that you work with a licensed therapist, someone who, you know, really works in this and they can do this. I said, I can take you from here and I can move you, you know, help you move you forward. Forward, um, I'm not going to be healing, and we're, that we're that's a path I'm not going down with you. Um, I said I'll, I'll be here to support you in these other ways, uh, but that's you know. So it's really about drawing that line of of you know where that is and recognizing that there's a place for that. Just like you know, I mentioned earlier that we kind of move away from allopathic medicine, but it has its place. Yeah. You know, if I break my leg, I'm going to go to the hospital, and I want them to you know make sure that they use all the medications necessary to heal me the way I need to be healed. Right. Um, but as soon as I get come out of that. ER, um, you know, and, you know, they've set the bone and they've put me in a cast. Um, now, like, I don't want the medication, yeah. right? I don't need the painkillers, everything else. I've got, I can actually help heal my body so much quicker yeah. um, than doing the things that they asked me to do, right? So it's, there's this balance of like knowing when I need this and when I need to really trust my own inner wisdom. Yeah, it sounds to me like you're you're dancing the dance between therapy and, and your inner wisdom. I love it, man. I think mm -hmm. it's unbelievable. I, I love it. Um, yeah.